It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man. Boo, Miss Rusty. It is Wednesday, but this is the first show of the week because I did not do Monday because it was Memorial Day. And yesterday I had somebody, but uh, so it was, I'm, I'm going to put them on blast here because that's what happens here. I won't name names, but this person had a uh, manager and manager for someone that's doing podcasts or, you know, agent or whatever, whatever they want to call them. There's one guy on here I will put over who gave me a lot of guests that have been authors on here that are, so basically anyone who's an author who's not with the crew, uh, this other guy put them on. And this guy has been great. All his guests have been great on here, on time. Great to talk with. And I've liked them all. And this person said that they're, uh, the person they're representing stayed up too late that last night and couldn't make the show. And this was in 20 minutes. 20 minutes before the show. And then they asked if I wanted to read a book. I was like, nope. So be on time. But that's not what today's about because we can talk about other stuff because we're going to. And thank you everyone for being here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, QGBN, sponsored by Fred Ben Savage's Fuck, Hardcore Entertainment, Hypnosis is Great, Sockemup.org and stoner eats productions so you guys let's get on with the show i'm gonna bring my special guest on here right here right now and we have tony man tour how you doing tony i'm doing great thanks yourself good uh can't complain it's uh it's a good day today and uh i was saying that yesterday i had a guest well somebody who uh, is a representing a guest and they decided to let me know 20 minutes before that the person who is going to be the guest stayed up too late last night and was not going to be able to make it and oh, so wow. i appreciate that you're here and that's i mean showing up is, is half the battle showing up now will get you pushed through if you go to school in oregon and because uh, reading writing and arithmetic is no longer needed to be pushed through to the next grade and graduate um so that's interesting but um but yeah so you're you're doing great and uh i i see you got you know i, I don't know i like to go and usually see what's going on in people's backgrounds and i can see you got i see uh glenn campbell and elvis and somebody i can't quite make out i'm not sure reba is that reba, reba okay yeah. i i saw the red hair and i'm like i think that's reba but i'm not sure and uh so you're you're in the music uh world what where where do you fit into the music world well i'm um um i started out as a singer songwriter just like everyone else you know trying to trying to make my mark and, and get have radio hits and tour the country and world and and do all that and and i did well i can't complain but but um as as i progressed and as things as i evolved and things changed like like things do i wound up here in nashville uh, doing uh, production and development work 
So for the last, uh, since 1993, when I made my, made my move, uh, permanent move here to Nashville, I've been producing up and coming singers. I've been, I've been working with, with, uh, legends that, that developed this, this, uh, you know, music world. Um, I've, I've worked with, uh, singers that, uh, that have had big hits and, and I just, and then I manage, uh, manage select singers. So I'm kind of behind the scenes on the music side. You know, but um, it's uh, it's worked out well. I can't complain. So where were you before Nashville? I was in a little town called Madison, and that was in Maine. So oh. so I was uh, I was up in the Northeast. And so, uh, I mean, what kind were you going to? You know, was it open mics or what? I mean, what what was it back then? Or what were you doing? Uh, were you going showing that you have a guitar or something? Uh, when, no. when you say singer songwriter, I picture someone with an acoustic guitar, and uh, I don't know, man. I don't. That's just what I picture when yeah. I, whenever I've been at mics and right, so, right. So, no, I'm a I'm a piano player. I'm um I was cool. I was classically trained. I started started uh, lessons at eight years old, and uh, so then I I um, I got to the point where my my piano teacher told me that uh, she had taken me as far as she could. And I wanted to go to Berkeley College of Music in Boston for just to just to learn some improv and just do different things because I didn't want to become a teacher. I wanted to be a performer. So when I say singer songwriter, uh, you know, I, I'd get together with friends and we'd you know collaborate like anybody does and and write some songs and and then uh, I I uh, actually worked with a couple of guys that. Uh, uh, needed some transportation, you know, they were country and I was more on the pop side. I was Eagles, you know, that, that style of music, uh, you know, and, and, uh, so they needed transportation to Nashville and I had it. So I took them down, you know, and, and my first impression of Nashville before I, you know, cause I'd never been to Nashville. So my, my first thoughts was, man, this is a country hick town. Cause it all does is country. You know, so so when I got here, I saw, you know, concrete and steel like every other city and the people were nice and laid back atmosphere in the studio. And and I just fell in love with just the atmosphere of Nashville, you know, because because it's so different from New York or L.A. where it's just hustle and bustle and all all this. And you can go to Nashville even today. You can go to Nashville, even though traffic has changed and we've got more people that's moved in. It's still completely different from the other larger cities out there. So, so it uh, it worked out, and I, so then I started traveling back and forth to Nashville to record. You know, uh, because the musicians were great, the late the the laid back atmosphere, just everything worked worked really smoothly. So I I did that, and we released. Uh, I signed with an independent record label, and and we wound up having some records that made the charts. And I had a couple of major labels that looked at me, and and you know, so things were evolving and looking pretty good. You know, and and then ultimately the label end of it just didn't work out the way that I wanted it to. And the people that I was working with, it was producing me had produced major hit records and been in major, major, uh, you know, sing one, one of them was a singer in the Argyles, which had Alley Oop and all those big hits back in the fifties and sixties. And, and the other one was Bob Millsap and he, he um, produced a lot of names and, and he actually uh, published the, the song that Ann Murray made, made famous. You needed me, you know, so they had such great contacts and great, great information 
that uh, I, I, uh, they, he called me up one day. He goes, you know, he goes, why don't you get off the road and, and come down here and do what we do because we're getting ready to retire. And, and, you know, you know, a good song, you know how to produce it, you know, the, you know, the people. So I had to, I had to do some reflecting and, and decide, you know, what was going to be best for me. So I, I made the decision to make that move. And, and here I am, you know, 30 years later, and it's just worked out. I couldn't ask for anything any better. That's not a bad, not a bad deal right there. And I mean, you got, um, yeah, got to see kind of the evolution of, of the city as well. And I mean, 30 years, the city can change pretty drastically. Oh, it, it and, has, it has changed so drastically. Um, but for those that that have, have been in Nashville and, and remember walking music row, uh, music row was, was, you know, two or three streets in the city that that you could walk from old house to old house with a few new new buildings built in between and each place would have an entity of music it could be publishing and production independent record label i mean uh major label you know it could be anything and you could walk from from place to place and 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 pitch your pitch your stuff well now fast forward to to today a lot of those iconic studios that that I mean, even Paul McCartney recorded in some of these studios, they've been torn down and replaced with condos, you know. So Nashville is is unfortunately fastly becoming the cities that we chose not to be like, but we're being like them. You know, it's still laid back. It's still good. But the one good thing that's come out of it is Nashville has evolved into Music City, because they've always called Nashville Music City USA, meaning country music. But now you come into Nashville, you can see any style of music you want to see. You can see R&B, you can see blues, you can see jazz, you can see country, you can see you can see rap. I mean, just anything that you want is is here. You know, so it has evolved into a much more diverse musical city than it's ever been. But it, it, you know, with that happening, there's been some costs, you know, we've lost some, some studios and the condos have been built and it's become a bigger, bigger city, you know, to, to deal with, but it's still a great place. So where are the studios ending up now? Are they going to people's houses? Or are they going further out, uh, more into the, away from the city? The more Well, for a while, um, music, evolved into uh, bedroom studios, you know, that type of thing, um, you know, where where everybody kind of made their own music in their own home, you know, and and but the problem with that is, is they didn't have the the live musicians there. So they didn't have the interaction and they didn't have the ability to to, uh, you know, feed off each other and, and create. You know, they would just create whatever was in their mind. But sometimes when you put put uh, three, four five guys in a studio together that's played on hit records, they'll come up with something or they'll make a mistake. I mean, I had a mistake made one time when I was recording and it was, everybody looked at at the at the person that made a mistake and they said, oh, we've got to recut that. I said, oh, no, that's just, that mistake is just so awesome. We got to take and build around it. You know, so stuff like that happens. But when you do it in, and when you're you're the only guy or you only have a couple people in there and you you're doing this self-made made you know music you lose that that collaboration you know so uh it went that way for a while but now it's kind of evolved back into you know the the studios are getting you know um 
busier and and people are realizing that that you've got to take and and have that kind of of ability of collaboration and and feeding off each other and it's kind of grown back to that again so so it's done a circle you know but it's still good yeah um side question so uh have you been up to Minnesota and been to Paisley Park where Prince did all his uh everything of his? No, I have not been up there. Um I I, I travel uh pretty much only when I need to travel for business and and sometimes I'll if I get a chance I'll go out there for pleasure and everything but but no, I I have not made it up there yet. If you get a chance uh it's it's unreal. I mean being if you're a music producer I mean, just the, I was, I don't know, I, I was, I was in heaven just being able to see that much stuff and just sure. how, how well everything was made and how everything was so acoustically perfect. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was quite a trip and, and there's no uh, cell phones allowed in there too, which was something else I like about tours not having that thing we're not having someone up against a wall right uh, right you know uh, while you're trying to take in everything and right um so and then i had another question so um you were classically trained in piano right so now because so i was too and now i don't see i don't know what people that are being taught now even need to read sheet music at all and it seems to more just to be how to how to play something, how to, you know, play a, a melody or how to how to do whatever, how to get any sort of um, like just being able to play rather than being able to recite each note and understand how to read them on the, right, right. you know, the, you know, whatever the every good sure. boy does fine uh, space face kind of thing. And uh, so what what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, when I put together a band, I put to, I put together a band that, uh, you know, there's some of the, I mean, they've played on some of the biggest hit records and it's come out of Nashville. You know, they played on, they played on pop records, share, I mean, you name it, they played on it, you know, but, but, um, their readers, you know, um, they, they can take and listen to something. They can, they can read the chart and then they can, then they can play it. So just like right now, I'm I'm um, sending some charts up to uh, up into Canada for an artist uh, that uh, that we're going to put up there, and hopefully, you know, when we get them up there, you know, the, they'll have readers that can they can listen to the music, read the read the charts that I've sent them, and then in a in a few hours they'll be playing it like they've played it with them for years. So, okay, and so I mean, you wouldn't. Uh... You still see the art in being able to read read music and be able oh, yeah. to, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it's um, um, I mean, with with everything that's being changed, you're still you're gonna have a you're gonna have a group of people that can't read a lick of notes at all. They they their ear they listen to it, they listen to it they play it, um, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but. Uh, when you go into a recording situation and you have a producer that has actual plans on how he wants it to go, 
you know, then, then lots of times you'll have it charted out and, and, and they've, they've got to at least be able to, doesn't, it doesn't take the improv away from it, but they've at least got to still be able to read a chart so they know where they're going so that when they do decide that, okay, you know, if I can play this here, I can, I can do a good improv line here, you know, they'll at least know where to put it. So they're not, they're not just wasting time in the studio because, because the old adage time, time is money is very true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, studio time is pretty expensive. Uh, and as well, I mean, it's well worth it because, I mean, yeah, having that collaboration as well as, you know, having someone who knows what they're doing a lot better than you. Right. Probably well, doing it is a big help. Well, for the longest time, uh, we were we were um, recording in these in these big studios and 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 doing all all the the post-production that we would do and ultimately it was it was getting getting dummy down to to you know earbuds you know and and that took a toll on the sound quality you know so now that they've actually got the the uh, earbuds and and the in-ear product at a much higher level it's bringing back that ability to have high quality music so that people really appreciate the music rather than just hearing notes that are that are dummy down yeah um so okay so in your studio or around your studio uh, what or how much of your stuff now is still hardwired um analog type equipment or what has gone digital do you still have big boxes full of cords you do you know what they are but you have six of yeah. other ones of them well, uh, I've got certain thing. I've got certain uh, pieces of equipment that are vintage gear, and and um, you know, ultimately everything gets gets mixed down to digital. You know, there's no there's no way of getting around that. You know, I mean, even though vinyl is making a big comeback, uh, the digital world is here to stay, and it's not going to change. You know, but. Um, what I do is is I record in digital, but I have I have uh, the the path that it is being recorded so that it so that I do different things to give it a warmer sound. And then when I when I record the vocal, I've got I've got a compressor, I've got I've got to, you know different outboard gear that it goes through before it goes to digital. So I try and create that warmth of of a vocal like we did back when when we was you know recording a two-inch tape you know it's, it's not going to be exactly the same but it is going to have a sound quality that hopefully you know the listener will hear and not realize they're hearing but it's going to be good good enough so that they go whoa i like this yeah and I, that's a, a line to very much just kind of ride on with them not knowing that oh this is so good but knowing subconsciously that this is something that i like and just get getting that yeah. that feeling and um so then i also know that so many different songs are mixed at certain frequencies when and then certain frequencies each have different feelings they can elicit in the in the listener right. um where where do you do you kind of have a, a frequency you like writing on um or you know recording on that with that frequency or, or do well, you kind of vary that 
because a lot of people use 44-124 bit, uh, but you can get it up to 48-96 now. Uh, it just depends, you know, it depends on what you're trying to do, what kind of sound you want. But the, the, the biggest thing is, is as long as you're getting the quality out of it that you like, so that so that when you finally do get that final mix, that that sound is there. I mean, it's like, uh, a lot of things come like I had a song one time that there was kind of a countryish song that I recorded and and I had the background vocalist do some scale down notes that that emulated the guitar but but it was kind of operatic you know but oh. so, so a lot of people a lot of people would hear it and they go oh I love that I love that but they didn't even have a clue they was l listening to some operatic you know tendencies you know they only knew that they liked the song and if i had told them it was operatic you know they might have gone oh, i don't know you know they might have prejudged it so so I, I try and just do some different things that that add to the song that that uh, that you might have heard before but it's not exactly the same so that it gives that that you know ambience of of a of a sound that i'm looking for and then hopefully the people will like it because it's it's a little different but it's but it's still you know mainstream it still fits into you know the commercial product that's going out there and they just have a few little little things in there that add to it that uh, they don't realize that they're hearing but but they're, they're liking it yeah and so i mean is that something that would be uh, more exclusive to you or that becomes i mean is there something that's sort of the tony mentor uh signature like if someone hears something or is there some little thing you like to well sneak you know it in there uh, i've got i've got different things that that um that i do that that others don't do um there's a lot of people that will throw in a lot of extra words that aren't needed because they're they're crutch words you know uh like and you know if you take that word and out of there, it make it, it can bring it can it can leave, you know, like a beat there, you know, and and all of a sudden you, you're hearing the next line. But if you're hearing the first line and the next line, it it all becomes one line instead of two separate lines. So there's little things like that I like to do uh, that sets it up. Um, I like to, uh, I find that that a lot of singers and even songwriters, they put the wrong emphasis and feeling on the wrong words. You know, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll push this one word and I'm going, take that word out of the sentence and does it change the, the sentence? Well, no, this is the word that's the most important one. Put the emphasis on that one. Oh, okay. You know, and then they'll do it and then they'll sit back and go, oh, I never realized, you know, so, yeah. so, um, a lot of these people out there that self-produce and, and, and don't think they need a producer, you know, they're, they do good work. There's, I mean, there's a lot of hit records out there that are self-produced. That's, that's been, that's good, you know, but can you make it a little bit better? Can a, can a seasoned producer go in there and have you do things that you wouldn't have thought of that all of a sudden change that record into something better, you know, and, and that's something that uh, you don't know until you do it. I mean, I've had, I've had singers that have had hit records, you know, and, and, uh, I told them, 
you know, I'm going to try and make you a little bit better than, than, than what you think you are. And they would look at me going, you know, I've had some hit records all day before and they've been pretty big. I said, yeah, yeah, they have, you know, and, and, and uh, then I get in there and I, and I, and I do the little things that I do. And then at the end, the, the singer said to me, you know, I'm not going to admit this to anybody else, but you did make me a little better. You know, so, so, you know, that just being said to me alone was worth it, you know, even though that no one else will know it, you know, but, but uh, that's kind of what I try and do. I try and make sure that uh, the singer that I work with, uh, I try and make them better every time out, you know, because, because there's an old saying, you know, that I like to use is, is the only person that you have to be better than today is the person that you was yesterday. You know, so so if that that can be anything that can be singing, that can be, you know, just the way you your outlook on life, it can be so many different things, you know, but but to me, uh, when when I'm putting somebody in there that's that's singing, I want them to be better today than they were yesterday. You know, so if I can, even if it's just one little bit, you know, one sentence, any one little thing that makes a difference, then we've made them better. Yeah. And I mean, something that learned in stand up comedy, like you go up and you, you know, charge one dollar for every word that you use. And uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, one one word off and, you know, is a, a big deal if you're, you know, only making so much a night. But right. yeah, I mean, yeah, if you make each word really count, every word counts, every beat counts. Exactly. But then it's also, yeah, what's in between those beats, you right. know, the, I think that's, that's a, the big part is what's in between it. And if it's a filler, I mean, yeah, that's not gonna, well, people are, aren't going to know, but they're going to think that yeah. uh, in your subconsciously, this is why, why am I hearing this? Well, I don't like some, it. sometimes like, like, like you brought up comedy, sometimes if you leave a line out that you was going to put in there, but it's, but, but you leave it out. And, and because of that, it sets up the next line, you know, you've, you've, you've got people focusing on the line that you wanted them to, to, to focus on. And hopefully that's the one that sells it, you know, you know, yeah. so, so that's, it's the same thing in music. You know, you're trying to find that one thing that grabs their heart, you know, and, and they go, Oh yeah, I can feel that. Or I can relate to that. Or, or, you know, if you can get them thinking, you know, then, then you've, you've created, you've, you've won half the battle right there. Wow. Um, and then, so have you ever had anyone have some sort of where like off uh, improvisation or some kind of screw up and they think that they're doing one song, but then you end up taking that little bit and turning it into something completely different. Um, well, what I, what I've had is, is like, uh, someone will, will improv on something and, and I'll, I'll hear it and I'm going and I'll, and I'll say, you know, that wasn't bad, but we have to make it better. You know, so, so we turn that improv that they did that was kind of okay, but, yeah. but we, we work on, on the breath, on the delivery, on, on the, the, the way we bend that note. We do so many things to it with the singer so that, so that the improv that he tried to do turn, that, that was like, okay, but we turn that into something that's just outstanding. And, and hopefully that's part of the one thing that sells the song. 
you know, and, and every time you can sell that song, you know, with a line or, or, or something that, that makes them want to do it, then you've got it, you know, you've, you've, you've sold it. And that's what I try and do. Yeah. Um, and then, so you also uh, are involved in another venture of your own liking as well. Um, you want to talk about that there? Yeah, I um um when when the pandemic hit, everything shut down. I mean, all the all my singers that were that I was working with, you know, there was no more productions, there was no more shows. I mean, I mean, it just killed the business, you know, and not just our business, but every business out there, you know. But so because I was a singer-songwriter and about seven or eight years ago. I had started working on a on a uh, a project that I wanted to do just for myself, just for the fun of it. Uh, one of my one of my guys calls me up and said, "Well, we got all kind of time. We might as well work on it." So we did, you know. So so I worked on on um, I worked on my my own CD just just for the fun of it, just to give to friends, family, kids, grandkids, anybody that wanted it. And then um, a songwriter that I had used one of his songs few years earlier on a on a singer that I was producing sent me a song and he goes I think this is one of my best songs I've written and the song was named why not me and I listened to it and I'm going this is un uncanny you know because because just a year earlier I because on, on my social media I, I try and be positive I try and tell people hey never give up you know it doesn't matter when you do it, it only matters that you do it you know just just keep evolving, you know, just keep the, keep the wheel spinning. And a year earlier, I had said to some, uh, I had said on my Facebook, um, you know, if you see somebody doing something you want to do, just look yourself in the mirror and say, why not me? You know? And, and then a year later, I get a song called, why not me? So I'm going, oh, this is meant to be, you know? So the song is about positivity, about never giving up on, on your dreams. There's a mountain to climb, climb it, you know, whatever you got to do, just keep doing it. So, um, so I recorded it and I added a steel into it to give it kind of a texture like the Eagles used to do. And a lot yeah. of my friends, a lot of my friends and, and, and promoters in Nashville, New York, LA, London, they say, oh man, you recorded a country song. And I'm going, no, I'm not a country singer. I'm 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 a middle of the road, you know, pop singer. You know, Eagles. You know, that's kind of what it was. But they just thought it was country. So I said, no, you know, I'm not going to argue with you. If you think it's country, it's country. As long as you like it, that's all that matters. <laughs> so, so they wanted me to release it, and I'm going. You know, what's the point? I'm not going to go back out on the road. I'm not going to. I'm not trying to resurrect my singing career. I'm just doing this for fun. And they said, well, there's nothing else there like it. That's this positive. So I released it, you know, and then I created a um, a video to pay tribute to our first responders, and and it got about a hundred, I don't know, hundred twenty five thousand views, and and it did well, and 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 the promotion, you know, worked for about five or six months, like any other promotion will work, and then I kind of thought it was over. I said, well, that was good. That was that. I had some fun with that. I did interviews around the around the world, and and it did well over in the UK and parts of Europe. I'm going, oh, this is good. And then a couple of months later, I get this call and this lady asked me, she says, I really love what you did for the first responders. Can you do that for us? And she's a speech therapist for autistic children. And so I'm going, okay, let me think about that. 
you know, and, and, and to be honest and, and fully transparent, I didn't know much about autism. You know, I mean, I mean, I was, I was aware that it's out there because I've got friends of mine that, that have, you know, uh, nephews or nieces, you know, that have autism, but it's nothing I deal with on a daily basis. And I didn't know anything about it. So I was a little hesitant because it's like, okay, you know, you know, what, what good can I do? You know, I don't really know that much about it. So, and this was over a year ago, you know, so, so, um, I talked with, um, I talked with their, with her, uh, regional manager and I talked with a couple of charities about it. And the more I found out about it, the more I started realizing that maybe I can do this. Maybe I can make, maybe I can help. So, so long story short, I I decided that I would, but I told him, I said, I have to re-record the song so that it's not mistaken and confusing to people because I did the other version. So I recorded it in a more of an adult contemporary pop, con, you know, and made it more contemporary with putting a, putting a violin in it instead of, you know, and, and just did different things. And then I got, uh, uh, I got people to join me in a video that's, that's part of the autistic community here in Nashville. And we released the, uh, the video I don't know, about six, seven months ago. So it's gotten over 200,000 views and, and all of a sudden it started catching on and, and I've done interviews all over the country, all over the world, you know, about it. And, and, uh, um, you know, it led to me, you know, uh, meeting some people and doing some things. And, and so now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm starting up a, a why not me the world podcast, because I've got so many people around the world that are involved with me on this and want to be part of it. So, so I felt that it was a good thing to do because, because um, I think autism is, is uh, misunderstood. So, um, so every, every April is autism awareness and acceptance month. And I looked at, uh, I looked at everything that the charities were putting out there and everything. And I, and I was really kind of, uh, confused that they didn't use a word that I thought was more important, you know, because they put out their autism awareness and acceptance, which is great because people do need to be aware of it and they need to do, and they do need to accept people, but they need to also understand, you know, because, because the understanding is, is the bigger part of, of acceptance and, and, you know, and the awareness is there because you can be aware of something and you can accept that it's there because you're aware of it. But until you fully understand it, you don't know how to react if you come in contact with people that's autistic or, you know, or because the perception of autism is that it's a death sentence and it's not. Cause I had, I had a mother tell me that she told, told a friend of hers that her son was autistic and, and the, the ladies, you know, that she told, so I'm so sorry that your son's autistic and went on and she goes, it's not a death sentence. You know, it's just that he's autistic. And I felt that was very important, you know, so, so I've kind of coined the phrase for my slogan is autism awareness, acceptance, and understanding, because this podcast, I'm going to, uh, and I've, I went out there and I listened to podcasts that deal with autism and there's a lot of good ones out there. You know, people can, can find out the scientific part of it by, by listening to doctors and nurses and different things. And they talk about it, but I didn't hear any, and there might be some out there that I didn't hear, you know, cause there's so many out there, but I didn't hear any that dealt with real people. 
So I, I decided that I'm going to have real people telling real stories about how they they found out they was diagnosed and how they live with it, uh, how they deal with it on a daily basis. Because because I think that that that's a big part of the understanding is people, you know, hearing stories of, of other people around the world that uh, that are in the same situation as they might be. Yeah. And I mean, there's uh, a lot of stories that need to be told. And um, there's a guy that I had on within the last month. Uh, he uh, I'm blanking on his name, but his uh, he has a podcast and uh, he has a organization called Autism Rocks and Roll. Oh, nice. um, and yeah, if you're looking for a guest, I'll show you his info. At yeah, some, yeah, or, you great. know, somewhere down the line. But yeah, yeah, he was he was a good uh, good person to talk with. And I yeah, I can't. I'm blanking on the name, but well, um, I remember that part. So and then well, so it's important, you know, yeah. because because he made an impact on you that you remembered. You know, um, the biggest thing that I've found is that everybody has a story. You know, and and the the key thing is is just because someone's autistic, you know, that's not a big thing. I mean, I mean, it can be. I mean, it, there needless to say, there are people out there that are autistic that need help on a daily basis. But, but that's what kind of people send, tend to be focused on is the ones that need that help on a daily basis, and they don't realize that there's so many autistic people that are contributing to this world in in every walk of life that you can imagine. I mean, I've taught with I've taught with uh, poets. I've taught with other music producers. Uh, I've taught with you know people that that uh, you know music musicians. I mean, I've talked with so many different people that are autistic. And and if you did not know that they were autistic, if they didn't tell you they were autistic, you wouldn't know. You know, and and I had one lady tell me that sometimes that that when an autistic person tells you that they are autistic. You know, the biggest thing that you have to do is respond in a correct way. You know, if you respond going, oh, uh, I'm sorry, or I didn't know you was autistic, you know, you know, it's like, like that makes them kind of regret that they told you, because if they tell you that they're autistic and you didn't know, they're, they're, they're sharing an intimate part of their life because they trust you and, and value your input, you know, so how you respond you know, it's going to, it's very critical, you know, so, so don't be shocked, you know, just, just go, oh, okay. You know, and then you can ask your questions. You can, you can find out more because, because that's part of the understanding, you know, but, but I think there's so much more that we need to learn and so much more that, that the people that are not in the autistic world need to learn so that when they do come in contact with someone, it's okay. You know, because because everybody's different. I mean, I mean, I know some people that that I that aren't autistic that that are that I look at them and I and I don't I'm going, OK, what world are they from? Because they act so differently. You know, I mean, I mean, but that's part of life. Everybody's different just because they're different doesn't mean that's a bad thing. Just means they're they're different. And and, and you just and some people just have these little idiosyncrasies that, that are different. But it's OK. Yeah. And like you said, I think understanding is a very important part and that it's okay to ask. And it seems that it has kind of been pushed away a little bit in society of just being able to ask questions because right. 
you're curious and have an understanding and not that, you know, it's taken wrong and uh, that you shouldn't ask any questions. Um, if you do, you're somehow, you know, I don't know. Right. Being, being mean or, or something like that. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think understanding is important for anyone. And if they're bringing it up, I mean, they, they obviously are wanting to open the conversation of it. Right. It's, and so, I mean, and, and the autism spectrum has so many different levels. I mean, they've got, they've got uh, people that, that, that are, that are highly, they can be violent. They've got some people that, that have a, have a hard time communicating. They got some that are nonverbal, but they can communicate through an iPad or whatever. Then you've got those that are, that are in the, in, in the mid part where they, where they, they work and, and get taught and transition into the workforce. And then you've got those that are very highly functional, you know, so, but if you look at life, you know, just look at people and take the autism word out of it. If you just look at life, We've got that all across our world. You know, you can walk into any city and you can see, you know, people on on different different levels of life, not knowing what they're going through, not knowing, you know, what what their issue is. And so so it's just another thing that that we need to help so that we can understand it. And and I think that's the biggest thing is is because I I've had people tell me, you know, that I that I've been interviewed by. It's like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna become an expert. There's no way in the world I'm gonna be an expert. You know, I, that's way above my pay grade. You know, uh, but what hit, what it has allowed me to do, it has opened my mind. It has opened my 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 ability to learn about things, and and it has exposed me to things that I didn't know about, but I'm learning. So when I talk with when I talk with with different people around the world that are autistic or 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 have a son or daughter that's autistic or or autism is in their family, everybody tells me their story, and I learn just a little sliver every time I talk with somebody, and and that helps me in the next interview because because somebody might bring something up and say, oh well, you know, I was told that this happened to them does this affect you and then they tell me whether it affected them or or didn't affect them or or how they dealt with it and and by telling that story i'm hoping that people that are listening to my podcast no matter where they are in the world if they're hearing somebody telling their story about how they found out or what they dealt with through high school or 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 the different things that happened in their life they will hear people that are telling their stories that they can relate to. Just like we want people to relate to our music that we produce, if they can hear somebody that's talking about their life that they can relate to, then hopefully that'll break down some of those barriers and then it'll make some of these people feel less alone. And the reason why I use less alone is because I had one autistic person tell me that he was bullied through high school and that made him feel very alone and that really resonated with me because nobody should feel alone in this life you know you know right. unless we want to be alone you know there's sometimes we want to go into our room and be get away from the world and be alone that's okay but 
going out into the world and and being able to communicate with others, you shouldn't feel like you're alone. You should feel like you can be able to blend in and 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 fit and and everybody just accepts you. And that's what I think we need because when one person told me that they felt alone, there are others out there that feel the same. So let's break those barriers down and, and make f- people feel more, and let's embrace that and make make people feel less alone. Yeah. And so, uh, so if you were at uh, walking downtown in, in Nashville along the main main street, you said Music Row, is that what it's called? Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Music um, Row, and you got Broadway where everybody bro- goes. Yeah. So if you're walking around there at two o'clock in the afternoon uh, on a regular day, where are you going to be? Not like what what place are you going to go into? If you're like in the outside part the whole time, are you? What are you going to be doing? Are you going to be going and setting up somewhere and uh, watching stuff? Are you going to want to go talk with someone? Are you going to want to just take everything in are you are you going to be in the middle uh, trying to party or what's well what's your nashville place? nashville is a is a multicultural city now so you've got when you go down on broadway you've got all the you've got everything from the predators on one side and then you go across the river and you've got the titans uh and then and then you've got uh you know, the Hard Rock Cafe, and you've got a lot of stars that have opened up restaurants, and and you've got so much entertainment that this there. You can find anything that you want. Uh, I don't go down there that often because, because I work, when I go to Nashville, I go to Nashville to work, you know, meet people, you know, uh, have have conversations, meetings, whatever I need to do, um, go in the studios, work. Uh, I've got a studio that uh, that I built that's uh, that's north of Nashville that that I do all my post production work on, so so I, I when I if I go to Nashville it's usually for a, some function like like here in another two or three weeks you got what they used to call fanfare but they call CMA Music Fest now that's coming to town we'll have hundreds of thousands of people come in for that and you'll have all the stars here you know so there's so much going on in Nashville that that happens you got the Grand Ole Opry uh, you got so much stuff so so Nashville's really really turned into a into a, a great place to be to go and see whatever you want to see so then what about in the town where you record if you're standing on Main Street in the town that you record you have your recording studio in where where are you? Well, I'm, what are you doing? I, I'm, I live in a little town uh, just north of Nashville called White House. Um, and what I do is I go into Nashville and I'll, I'll lay down my tracks, get all the music done in a bigger studio. Then I'll bring all that back. And then I've got a post-production studio where I do all my overdubs, my background vocals, my, my, my lead vocals, get all the nuances that I want in there and then get ready, you know, to, to do the mix down. So the reason why I I moved uh, to to White House was because it uh, it was a little town that that uh, kind of emulated where I came from because Madison Maine is a little, a little town of about five thousand people you got one street if you, it's kind of like Mayberry RFD you you look you got one street if you blink you've missed the town you know and and it's a town where everybody knows everybody it's uh, laid back. Uh, it's a great place, you know. If I and I've told people, if I could do in 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 Madison what I do in Nashville, I would have never left. 
you know, but but you got to go to where where it's happening. Music is is here in Nashville. It's been here in Matt Music City, USA. It's I mean, so that's why I had to be here. But but uh, the little town that I live in now, in the last <laughs> since since I've been here thirty years now, it has grown and grown and grown. So luckily, I'm outside of that outside of the city a little bit, so I don't have to deal with the traffic. I'm more in the country. I mean, the perfect great thing is the other day I get up and my my I got a little little Dotson. She's barking out the window, and there's a rabbit there just kind of looking at it. And then a few minutes later a deer runs across my front lawn and then, and then, and then late, then a few minutes later, the deer comes back and it's got the fawn with her. You know, you can't get that in a city, you know? So, yeah. so I love where I'm at because I've got, I've got the, the country feeling, but yet in 10 or 15 minutes, I can be right in the, right in the middle of, of the music city and doing what I want to do. So then, okay, so maybe I didn't explain this question quite right. Um, okay. So what I meant, so if you were in Madison, Maine, and you're standing on Main Street, right. um, where where are you going to be? What are you going to be doing? Are you going to be trying to find someone, or are you going to be in the middle of a, like in a, you know, a small town like that, and you're just random day going into town, what are you going to want to do? And something uh, like that. You know, Madison doesn't have a whole lot there, you know, as far as entertainment goes. It's got got a little bit here and there, but but I, I would just if I went into Madison, I'm just going in to do business, you know, pick up a few things, maybe see, run into a few friends that I haven't seen in a while, you know, that type of thing. Because like I said, it's it's a small town, you know, but that's the beauty of it. It's a small town. You know, so so there's not a lot to do. You've got to if you want it, there's no no I mean. To give you a perfect example, I've got a phrase that I use that, you know, a lot of my friends now, you know, have have started saying the same thing. But I when when people ask me when I'm going back to Madison, like and I'm going back there in a, in a couple of weeks to visit and and I'll tell them, they'll say, so where are you going? I said, I'm going back to the to the little town that time forgot, because when I go back to Madison, it, I've been away from it for 30 years. There's only a couple, three things that's changed. You know, I mean, there's a subway that's came in. There's a Dunkin' Donuts that came in. I think there's a Family Dollar that came in. You know, and and I mean, it's it doesn't change much. That's you know, to some people that's horrible. To me, that's the beauty of it because because I'm going back to you know where I can be in a very good comfort zone. So if I want to go to a mall, if I want to go to to you know. Um, you know, a, a bigger, fancier restaurant, or I want to go to, to a, a club or anything. I have to go, you know, 30 minutes to an hour away just to do that from Madison. But, you know, that's the beauty of living in a small town or being part of a small town because it's just there for you. So then you would just want to go to your, your place that you're staying there and just stay there and hang out. That's all I do. I mean, I'm, I mean, when I go, I, I, I stay where I'm staying and I might go out, you know, to a, there's a little, little, uh, there's a little department store there that, that everybody goes to. I might go there, see if they got anything new that, you know, or whatever. And then I might run into some friends I haven't seen. And that's about it. It's, it's just really chilling. And then cause, uh, I've got, uh, I've got a camp on the lake that my family has and we go, you know, chill out there you know and that's nothing nothing better than hearing that water crash against the against the 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 road you know the the side of the the uh, the the bank and everything so it's it's just uh just very laid back 
Yeah, sounds like a nice place to be. And, uh, oh, it is. I, yeah. Um, and so everyone up there, is everyone big uh, Patriots fans up there? Is that what the, the town's mostly, about? Mostly you've got, you've got Patriots, Celtics, Red Sox, Bruins, you know, and because this year here, uh, you know, the Red Sox aren't doing all that good, although they're, they're above 500 and they're, they're in a very, very tough division where everybody isn't above 500, which is the only, I think the only division in the, in the, in baseball that's that way Celtics just lost game seven Bruins lost, you know, uh, we're going to see what the pages are this fall. So, so, you know, yeah, yeah, that's pretty, I mean, cause you've got people that move there, you know, and, and you've got, you've got people that are, that are fans of different teams, but, but uh, yeah, you've got a high percentage of, of new England fans there. Uh, that's, that's what I hear. Uh, but yeah, it's, it seems like that's a, a good thing, and you get to, and they're diehard, diehard yeah. fans. Oh, they get they get really ticked off if their team loses. They, I mean, I mean, it's like Celtics lost the other night, game seven. It was it was discouraging because they 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 uh, uh, they lost. You know, they got blown out. You know, but but the thing is, is is uh, you know, it's a game. You know, it's you know, that's that's the whole thing. You know, I saw a clip of of some movie that Clint Eastwood's in, and 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 it's about this pitcher, and his daughter brings him up and says, says, you know, I've got this, I've got this new pitcher. We've got to try him out. And so, so he gets on the mound and, and, and she goes, throw the fastball. And then he just stands there looking at the hitter and she walks up. She goes, are you nervous? He goes, no, ma'am, it's just a game. She goes, that's right. It's just a game. So, you know, people got to have that mentality. It's just a game. Although they get paid millions of dollars for that game, but it's still just a game. Yeah. Um, Well, okay. Hey, thank you so much for yeah coming on here and uh, getting to, talk about everything and not knowing what we we're going to talk about. So it went uh, where we needed to go and got to where it needed to get. And so, appreciate it. yeah, you bet. And when are, where are people going to find you on the internet here? Well, if they, uh, they can Google my name, Tony Mantor, M-A-N-T-O-R, uh, and pretty much everything comes up. They can go to TonyMantor.com. Uh, on my Facebook and all social medias at Tony Mantor, uh, YouTube is Tony Mantor. You know, so uh, pretty much, you know, they can find me wherever they want to find me, and 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 I just ask people to uh, you know go to my go to my uh, podcast and 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 follow it and tell people about it because if they know anybody that would like to be on this show, like I said, it's a podcast. It's going to be real people telling real stories. So. I've got some celebrities that's going to be on it that that uh, have some autism in their families, you know, uh, but the the premise of this show is is for real people, you know, so so that way people can hear their stories and share it. And and, you know, if someone wants to be on it. Uh, I'd love to have them on it. So, so, you know, tell everybody and and just share it and and hopefully we can build build something that can be you know worthy of their of their time. Excellent. Yeah. Well, yeah. So everyone check it out. Get on there. Um, get a hold of, of Tony here. And yeah, Tony, uh, have a great rest of your day and we'll, we'll talk soon. All right. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks. You bet. All right. As Tony Mantour, so you got to an hour with him today. So you have all the places you can find him. And this has been on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, QGBN. Check out other shows on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, including 
when the gloves come off, including the Thinking Man's Pro Wrestling podcast, including Say by the Ben, including This Is It with Lizzie. All those are on there. And then our sponsors, we have Fred Ben Savage's Fuck, Stone Reads Productions, Hypnosis is Great, Hardcore and Comedy, and Sock Em Up. And that's at sockemup.org, where people need socks and they're asked for it, but it's the least delivered. So we're giving people socks. People are getting socks from Sock Em Up. And you guys, that is the show, man. Like and subscribe and share it around because it's so, so good. And you want to, and you love it. You love sharing it. You love sharing it. Just like I'm trying to share the screen here. I'm going to share the screen. Boom. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Ernest! 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 <coughs> yes, Pee-wee. You brought the snacks, right? <laughs>